from DLA Piper. This is the Beyond the Curve podcast. In this episode, DLA Piper partner Stacia Kelly speaks with Kristen Campbell, Executive Vice President and General Counsel of Hilton Worldwide Holdings, on the impact of the pandemic on the hospitality industry and the role of a GC in crisis management. My name is Stacia Kelly, and I'm the former U.S. Managing Partner for DLA Piper, and I'm now the Executive Director for Client Relations for the firm and a former GC. And my partner in this discussion is Kristen Campbell, and thank you, Kristen, for doing this with us. Kristen is the Executive Vice President of Hilton Worldwide, a position that she's held for close to 10 years now. As everyone knows, this has been an incredible period of time for hotel and leisure industry. So we're going to probe with her some of the ideas she has, some of the experiences she had, and some of the lessons learned. Thanks, Stacia. Really happy to be here. So obviously, we're going to be talking about the crisis, the pandemic, and what you have done. But in general, Kristen, how do you as a GC prepare the company for handling any crisis? Specifically, what's the role of the GC in crisis planning and what have you seen work best? It's a great question. And I think something that's been heavily on the minds of all GCs throughout this pandemic. And if there's any other podcasts going on right now of a similar nature, I'm sure that those GCs are being asked the very same question. Maybe I'll use a quick example. When I was interviewing for the Hilton job, it was right after the financial crisis of the 2008-2009 era. And I had to interview with several people because Hilton had at that point been through a number of its own legal and business crises right on top of the financial crisis. So I was interviewing with one of the board members at the time and he said, so Hilton's been through a lot and the U.S. and all public companies have been through a lot in the last several years and been a lot of crises here and there. So tell me about your crisis management skills. And it came to my mind very quickly, and it has stuck with me ever since, that really the best way to manage a crisis is to prevent one in the first place. So this means being ready to not just respond when bad things happen, but really try to prevent them from happening in the first place. Having really strong policies and procedures around important operating policies for the company will go a long way, I think, in preventing a crisis. Now, of course, like the pandemic, not all crises really can be foreseen or prevented. So in that case, I think basic crisis management skills, such as ensuring that the company has a very strong crisis management plan and having run some exercises against that plan to make sure that when things do go wrong, the company is ready to respond appropriately. So that's a great point about the crisis management plan. Can you describe Hilton's? And you said you did some exercises. Were those tabletop exercises? Mm -hmm. And how do you see those as working? So we have a very broad-based crisis management plan. It's in writing, but we also do tabletop exercises periodically to test out how we are going to respond. I think the most important part of a crisis management plan is really around the escalation process. Who needs to be involved when and for what reason and who has decision-making rights? So I think our plan here is something that we have tested over the years. Hotels are quite naturally places where pandemics aside, you could have a crisis from time to time, whether it's an act of terrorism or a hostage situation. 
we've done trainings against those types of things. And our plan has been front and center in all of those exercises. Thank you. We talked a little earlier about the fact that we are still in the middle of, I think, the worst crisis to hit the planet. And the hotel and leisure industry has been very hard hit. And we'd love to hear about some of the experiences you've had specifically in handling this crisis for Hilton. What role did you play as GC in the management of the crisis? As the GC here, my role was front and center. I have in my office, and I've had it for over a decade, the poster that has that tried and true British wartime statement that says, keep calm and carry on. It's a great big poster. It's in pink. It's on my wall. And I can't tell you how many times I looked at that poster last spring and summer as we were really getting clobbered in our industry by the pandemic. So as I walked into all of our crisis team meetings during those relatively dark days, I carried my mantra, keep calm and carry on with me. And I think that's probably what most GCs are known for doing is keeping people at the right level and keeping heads above water, if you will. My role was very much, I think, as you would expect, took part in very high-level strategic response planning around the pandemic. I can share a couple of hospitality-related stories that illustrate how we were able to respond. Would that be okay? Yes, that would be very helpful. Great. So our crisis team met every single day for anywhere from an hour to two to three hours. We would hear reports from around the world. We have crisis teams that are embedded in all of our regions. We're currently in about 117 countries worldwide. So as the pandemic spread around the globe, we would have reports every day coming in from all parts of the world. As we anticipated all of this coming to the U.S. and really shutting down our business, and as our hotels started to suspend operations, the team became more than just, okay, what do we do today to stop the crisis? There was really nothing we could do to stop what was happening. So we really looked at what we needed to do to support our business. The first thing we did was, like a lot of companies, we shored up our cash position. We had to deal with disclosures around that, which was interesting. This was a first-time event for most companies, and it was unique in that we would have to really analyze, how do we tell our shareholders about this? How do we talk to our team members about things? But we also had to deal with things like in our open hotels. Most of our hotels remained open during the period, but what happens if we have a COVID-related case? What if somebody comes down with it? We had to develop new policies and procedures for our hotels around quarantining, contacting health authorities, applying CDC and WHO practices, things like that. It's quite interesting. In my opinion, we had a lot of government entities contact us to inform us that they might be commandeering our hotels, either for use as hospital overflow or for frontline workers, or in some cases, even for homeless populations where municipalities were working very hard to get homeless off the streets in order to stem the spread. As a consequence of all of this, it was interesting. We put together in response a very quick but very thorough upgraded cleaning approach to our hotels because our feeling, of course, is people will still need to stay in hotels during and certainly after the crisis. How do we make them feel comfortable that they're not going to be subjected to risk while they're here? So we developed a program working with both the Mayo Clinic and a company that makes Lysol and have a whole new set of protocols for not only cleaning our rooms, we've always cleaned our rooms and our hotels to the highest standards, but for demonstrating to our guests that they could feel safe. So 
One example of this is now when you go to any one of the Hiltons in our 17 brands, you will have to break a seal on the door to your room before you can go in. And that seal tells you that it's been cleaned in accordance with this new protocol. That's fascinating to hear about the cleaning process, Kristen. And as you know, I actually stayed at a Hilton several times during That's the right. first part of the pandemic. And you're right. It was very clean. Everybody was incredibly understanding and patient and kind. And we never really had any fear of being contaminated in Hilton. I like your description of the crisis management team approach. As you know, I've been through the wars Mm -hmm. as well. My last particular one was the financial crisis at AIG. And we found that we had a war room, we called it every day, like you did with going through reports from the business. One of the things I really liked about that is the central role that lawyers actually played Mm -hmm. in getting closer to the business. The business folks felt more comfortable coming to the lawyers with their concerns or issues, even if they weren't strictly legal. And for that reason, maybe this is some silver lining to that piece of the crisis. Did you have that same experience? Yeah, 100%. And I think the comfort level of the business in turning to legal in crisis is really a direct reflection of their comfort level in dealing with legal team when there's not a crisis. So in other words, we have a very strong business partnering, lawyer partnering relationship with our business partners here. My lawyers are really embedded in the different parts of our business. So standing on the shoulders of these already strong relationships, when things got really bad, it was only natural for the company to turn to their lawyers. And what I thought was so interesting, Stacia, is they came to us not just with questions about is something legal or not legal. They came to us with questions around, what should we do here? Let's put a bunch of smart people in a room, lawyers included, and let's just talk about all of the possible ways to navigate through these murky waters. So yeah, I think my team, I'm always proud of them, but my team did a particularly great job, in some cases 24-7, in helping the company manage through, particularly at the hotel level. We had individual hotel managers calling us round-the-clock hotel owners calling us around-the-clock and guests who were concerned about things calling us as well. So the team really jumped in and did exactly what you'd want them to do. Well, and you make a great point with that too, Kristen, when you said it was on the shoulders of the good business relationship you have with your business partners. I know that one of the most practical pieces of advice that's coming out of this crisis is the importance of starting and maintaining those close relationships with the business. Because without that, I don't think you could have the kind of reaction to the lawyers and the crisis management that you had. I don't know if you agree with that, but that was my experience. 100%. Yes, exactly. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I'm sure there were successes and I'm sure there were failures. We'd love to hear a little about the successes and the failures and then whether Hilton actually made any changes to its strategy going forward because of either of those? Yeah, great question. We're very proud when we could work with our hotel owners to offer up a million room nights for frontline workers. So you'll recall back in the spring and summer, all kinds of medical professionals were traveling all around the country to various hotspots. So we partnered with lots of medical groups and basically said, 
bring your medical professionals to Hilton and they can stay for free. And we felt very proud that we could help be part of the solution, if not directly, then indirectly. Frontline workers would come back to the hotels. They were so tired, but they were so grateful for a nice place to stay. The GMs were sending food up to their rooms and making sure that they were comfortable after everything that those folks had been going through. So I think that was a nice success on our side. I don't want to be lost here is how this affected all of our employees. I mean, we have probably over 400,000 people around the world that work at Hilton Hotels. And many of those people were furloughed or even in some of the earlier times were terminated early on. We also had a very large corporate reduction in force back in the early summer, which was very difficult. But one of the things we did very early on that I would count as a success was with respect to our property frontline workers was while our business was slowing down, other businesses were on fire, including Amazon and the delivery companies and many of the grocery retailers. We worked very hard to put together a program where we created an exchange with Amazon, with a number of the grocery chains, where our frontline workers could get temporary work while they were on furlough so they could still keep garnering an income. And I think we had over 50,000 people who were helped through that program. What a great idea. The contributions that Hilton could make to the world just by handling the crisis the way you did. And obviously it costs money to do what you did in more ways than one. So in a way, that's a little bit of a silver lining again of this crisis to be able to put together that kind of a program and benefit so many people. What about failures? Obviously, there's always going to be lessons learned from these types of events. And we have not had an out-and-out failure in terms of hotels are reopening, our stock is doing fine, our cash position is fine. But Stacia, honestly, it's probably just a little too early to pat ourselves on the back, but it may also be a little too early to identify lessons learned because we're still pretty much Mm -hmm. in it. Hospitality is starting to come back, but it's been very slow. It just may be too early to judge if we did something wrong in managing the crisis or if we had any failures, but I really can't point to any at the moment. Well, that's great. And any different strategies that you're thinking about for dealing with this crisis or other crises coming out of this experience? Probably not at this point. The thing that was striking to me was how strong our communications were throughout those early days when we were just trying to understand what was going on and what the real impacts were going to be. If anything, I think continuing to run the tabletop exercises, continuing to understand the escalation process and decision rights, if we can just continue to fortify those practices and keep those muscles exercised, that will help us in a future crisis. Yeah, that's great. Also brings me to the crisis and the board. How did Hilton's board engage during the crisis and how did you specifically engage with them? I'm sure that they've all had some experience with crises, but again, as we've said, not like this one. Yes, yes, right. So our board was fantastic throughout the whole thing. And as you say, this is a slightly different kind of crisis when it comes to the board because it's not a company-specific crisis. It's not as if there was a problem at the executive level or a scandal or some ethical issue that's come up where the board would need to run an investigation or something. This was quite different. So how we worked with our board throughout this was really just to give them regular updates. My part in that was to just update them on potential liabilities and risks and how we were managing through those. 
we met regularly at the beginning of the crisis and just kept them informed. I think they were very interested and very constructive. I mean, when you've got a good board, it's just nice to have a checkpoint with some very experienced people. And as you say, many of them have been through crisis-style situations. So consequently, they were just great. That's great. And when I was going through the AIG financial crisis, it seemed like Mm -hmm. we had a board meeting every hour and a half or so during (laughs) that time. So I'm sure your directors were responsive to all the additional responsibilities that they were helping the company work through. Yes. They held several executive sessions just to talk through issues on their end and again, provided just great advice and made sure that we were thinking about things from all angles. Yeah, that's a great point. I agree. So we talked about your in-house team, Kristen, and how well they worked with the business folks during this crisis. Were there other special or different things that the in-house legal team did that was remarkable to you or something that hadn't been done before? That's an awesome question. My team just never ceases to amaze me with how they operate. Again, I can tell you about a few things they worked on that might be interesting or certainly unique. I'd kick that off by saying just the way people pulled together was unbelievable to me. They were, from the outset, incredibly supportive of each other. Those that were working 24-7 said, I'm working 24-7, but I can still find some time to help you if you need some help. We had to furlough people within the first 10 days of understanding that the crisis was a global thing. And even our furloughed people said, look, there's anything I can do while I'm on furlough. Just call me. I'm here for you. So I think just their esprit de corps was something that humbled me and inspired me at the same time to just make sure I was on top of what they were doing, but knowing I could not have to be on top of what they were doing. One of those currently, as folks started thinking about back to school in the mid to late summer, we started getting phone calls from colleges and universities around the country asking us if they could use our hotels. And some of our hotels are appropriate for that, some are not. But my team has been managing over the last couple of months lots of very interesting issues that are coming up as a result of having a lot of college students in a hotel setting. So that's been fun. The other thing that I'll mention, and I can truly profess to not having any direct knowledge about the television show The Bachelorette, but one of the things that happened as a result of the pandemic is in hotels that were temporarily closed, we were able to use them for other purposes during the period of closure. One of our hotels out in Southern California, the La Quinta, which is in the Palm Springs area, they were able to use that to film the show The Bachelorette because they needed a place that was all their own so that they could film during COVID. So they took over the entire place and they put their crews in there. We didn't have to have our people in there. So it's been fun for my stepdaughters who love The Bachelorette (laughs) to watch and see one of our hotels on the program. That's awesome. That's a great story. And again, it's the team building, it's doing things differently. It's the creativity, which sounds like Hilton had a lot of. I say this all the time, never let a good crisis go to waste. And all the examples you just gave are really good examples of how you didn't let it go to waste. So let me turn, if I can, to another player in crisis management, which as a part of, I have a spot in my heart for, and that's outside counsel. So how do you think outside counsel can help GCs and companies in crisis? And 
What kind of advice would you give to outside counsel? I often think, just to put this into context, that we want to be very helpful to our clients, obviously, in very creative ways. But we also don't want to be a pest because clearly the in-house team has a gazillion things to do every day. So I think (laughs) it would be helpful for our audience to hear anything you might have to say about that. Sure, absolutely. So, Stacia, I would say that throughout the COVID crisis thus far, our outside counsel has been phenomenal, including DLA. You guys have been fantastic. And for the reasons I'm about to state, you guys were right up there. Your outside support is critical for lots of reasons. First of all, as a good gut check that what you're doing is not exposing the company to any further liability in terms of how you're responding to the crisis. But the other thing that we found that was so helpful was so many questions and so many issues that came up during the crisis were questions of first impression, things that we had never had to deal with or consider before. So it was really nice to have smart minds that we could just bounce ideas off of. And our outside counsel served in that capacity many, many times throughout the crisis, and they were just outstanding. In terms of advice, I would give outside counsel, just letting your clients know you're thinking of them. I mean, it sounds probably a little silly, but just getting the email every now and then from you, Stacia, or others at DLA or other outside counsels who would just say, hey, just thinking about you and hope it all is well and we're here for you if you need us was great. And I would say you can put your minds at ease if you're bugging us or pestering us. We'll probably just say, we're too busy right now. We can't talk. But no, having our outside advisors was just utterly critical to the successful outcome we've had so far. That's great to hear. And thank you for the nice words about DLA. Obviously, we want to play the role you want us to play. And as I said earlier, not be a pest. So I'm glad. Sounds like we succeeded in never, doing Never, never are. <laughs> you can call me anytime. I love chatting with you, as you know. <laughs> thank you. I love chatting with you, <laughs> especially here. Yes. This is something I didn't touch on that you wanted to mention or some issue that you want to talk about? The one thing I might mention is how we work together with others in an industry during a crisis. This whole event has affected cruise lines and airlines and hotel companies and hotel owners and restaurant owners and so many people along the service and leisure chain that one of the things that was really interesting for me was to work with our trade associations It was also interesting, too, to take a direct role in the stimulus package work on Capitol Hill. My boss spent several days on the Hill or on the Zoom Hill, whatever he was able to do, to lobby for funds for our employees. We're going to be out of work for a while or even permanently, and also for our owners whose hotels were struggling. So watching that process in motion was quite fulfilling. That's great. Very helpful and certainly spot on from what I also witnessed during the crisis. Well, I can't thank you enough, Kristen, for doing this with me. Great fun. Great insights. My pleasure. I hope next time we do it, it won't be about crisis. (laughs) We can chat about something a little more positive. And maybe have a glass of wine while we're doing it. (laughs) Exactly. Let's say goodbye to the crisis. But it's been a pleasure, Stacia. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All information, content, and materials contained in this podcast are for general informational purposes only. This podcast is intended to be a general overview of the subjects discussed and does not create a lawyer-client relationship. 
Statements and opinions are those of the individual speakers and participants and do not necessarily reflect the policies or opinions of DLA Piper LLP US. The information contained in this podcast is not and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice. No listener should act or refrain from acting with respect to any particular legal matter on the basis of this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. This podcast may qualify as lawyer advertising, requiring notice in some jurisdictions. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. DLA Piper LLP US accepts no responsibility for any actions taken or not taken as a result of this podcast.